Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham. And if you are watching this on video, I hope you enjoyed my new intro for the podcast. It was so much fun to make. And if you are listening on your favorite podcast app and you are now curious and you're thinking, well, I want to watch that too. Well, you can. All you have to do is hop over to my YouTube channel at Amy Gray Cunningham, and it's available there for you to watch as well. And as always, I wanted to ask you to please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app or on YouTube, or even register for my newsletter at butterflykissespodcast.com so you can be alerted when a new episode drops every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And also, just to let you know, this beginning this July, I will also start dropping two new episodes each month on the first and third Wednesday at 9 a.m. We are rocking and rolling with new interviews, so I decided to add a few more episode times during the month. I'm super excited. Butterfly Kisses is just growing in leaps and bounds, and I want to thank you all for helping me with this growth of um, this podcast. It's just amazing. I have some excellent guests coming up for you, so please stay tuned and join me for these fantastic interviews, and also share them with your friends, family members, strangers, heck, share them with everyone you meet. (laughs) My mission with Butterfly Kisses is to help raise our consciousness levels by inviting guests to share their incredible stories of awakening and transformation, because by doing that, we all benefit from their experience. And you can help me by liking, sharing, and commenting on each episode, no matter what platform you're viewing it on. So I hope you will help me help each other, help the help Butterfly Kisses by doing that. Which brings me to today's episode, Talking Love with Ronnie and Ryan. She is a love and cosmic coach who has helped thousands of women and some men find love. She is also a seeker of magic, and she is an author of six books. And her Amazon bestseller, Is He the One? Find Mr. Right by Spotty Mr. Wrong has sold more than 10,000 copies, which to me is amazing. I think that is awesome. So if you want a spiritual solution on how to find, date, and marry Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, you are in the right place. Everyone, please help me welcome Ronnie and Ryan to Butterfly Kisses. Ronnie, Anne, please tell me. How and how did you get into love and dating and coaching and all of that wonderful, juicy topics? (laughs) Okay. So it began with myself because I woke up on my 40th birthday still single. So I'd had a boyfriend all through high school and a different one all through college. And they both asked me to marry them. But I said no, because I was too young and I I thought we'd end up divorced. I didn't think it was going to work with either one of them, even though I really loved them. And then I had Death Valley and then I was 40. So (laughs) I did hardly any dating between 22 and 40 because I never met anyone interesting, I thought. But once I got to be 40, I thought, you know, you're going to have to look at this differently because it's not going to happen unless you change something. And so I did a lot of soul searching and I talked to a couple of friends who actually were willing to be straight with me and tell me the truth. And they said, I wasn't open. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not open. I talked to everybody, but my college boyfriend had really broken my heart, even though he wanted to marry me. It, it just, it just wasn't the best relationship. And I didn't know to just walk away. It took a long time to walk away. And then I held a torch. Ridiculous. Anyway, this is the thing. These are the things we do, right? So 
there I was at 40. And I was like, uh oh, I don't want to be single my whole life. So I was already a student of spiritual development and personal development. And so I thought there's lots of tools to use. Let's put something together. And I um, used the law of attraction uh, and a lot of other things. And I did, I had body work done and acupuncture. I did everything you can imagine. I had no stone left unturned. I worked with crystals. I did everything. And I dated 30 men in 15 months to find the man I married, who I'm still married to. We're approaching our 22nd um, wedding anniversary. Congratulations. um, Yes. We didn't strangle each other during the worst of COVID. So I think that's really (laughs) a big accomplishment. (laughs) And, uh, and so this is the program I still work with people today. I mean, I, I didn't do, um, I didn't do online dating. I was doing personal ads, so I'm kind of dating myself in a way, but that's what we had 22 words and a voicemail. So people complain to me about online dating. I'm like, no, (laughs) it's only because you're either thinking it should be easy or thinking that everybody's a scammer, which is not true. So it's some black and white thinking and a lack of information on how to use it, you know? So anyway, I help uh, mostly women once in a while, I get to work with a man, uh, find love. And for people who do the work and take the steps, it works. What are the steps? Well, the first thing is to look within like I did, because that's where all the blocks are. That's what's keeping you single. That's what is making it feel too hard or impossible or like you'll never find anyone or that you keep attracting the wrong man or whatever. And um, so one of the things is to get really clear about what you're looking for and what will really work for you. And also to look within to see where are you blocked? Like I had to do a lot of work for myself to open my heart. My heart was not open. I didn't know that at the time, but it wasn't open. So I did a lot of work through um, meditation and exercises and affirmations and that kind of thing. And then I, you know, the dates started happening. The first one came from a friend who didn't even know what I was doing. And she's like, you know, I have this guy, I thought you might like to meet him. I'm like, what? (laughs) So he wasn't Mr. Right, but he was Mr. Now. And I needed to practice and he needs to the experience, you know? So he was just the start of a long line of gentlemen who, um, you know, the, only the last few had real potential, but that's okay. I learned a lot. It's a journey. When you're looking for love and you're dating, that is a journey of self-discovery. And people think, well, I don't have time to waste on the wrong men. And I'm like, you don't know who the wrong men are. You have to meet a bunch of guys. You have to learn who you are in relationship to them. You have to understand how dating works today and learn how to use your feminine energy again. A lot of times women are very successful in business or whatever. And they're approaching dating like a business transaction, which really turns men off. So a lot of times the really successful women think they're intimidating the men. That's not exactly true. They are acting like they're gonna compete with them or they're very chop, chop, let's get it done or whatever. And all the behaviors that work really good in business that just don't work in the romance department. So those are some of the steps, really getting to know yourself, understanding what you want, understanding how dating works today, and then taking action, action, action to meet lots of people because you have to cross paths with enough men to find one that's right for you. And the same would go for the men. They have to cross paths with enough women. 
to find somebody who's compatible. Why do you think that we attract the wrong type of partner? Well, uh, sometimes it comes with our family of origin. That's what a lot of therapists talk about, that we marry our mother or our father or something like that, where we're used to and comfortable with some potentially dysfunctional things because which family isn't? And, <laughs> you know, in all fairness, we all have our stuff. So we go with what's familiar and it doesn't really work. And we don't even realize a lot of times that we're picking, you know, um, one of my favorite uh, dating coaches and um, matchmakers is Marla Martinson. And she always goes, I kept dating the same man. I kept dating the same man in different pants. That's what she was saying. You know? <laughs> she cracks me up. So we're often attracted to the same thing. And a lot of women will tell me, well, I have a type. And if he's not my type, I'm not interested. And I said, well, how has your type worked out so far for you? You know, normally your type isn't working because all the things that are juicy and that you love and you feel so attracted to come as a package deal with all the things that make you crazy, don't work, push you away or create fights or whatever. And so that kind of person. So if you want like a super successful guy who has a lot of money and he's really into his business, that's going to often come with not making you a top priority not, you know, having that much to give you because he's so worn out from his business. You know, I, I met a woman who was like, I, I can only date CEOs. I'm like, good luck to you. <laughs> you know, because she was already like 55. And when a man is that rich and powerful, you know, he can do whatever he wants. And just like women who are rich and powerful, a lot of them want to date younger men. It's the same kind of thing because they, you know, and they can because they're attractive or they have a lot of money or they're powerful or whatever it is. So it's just what is. And so find your niche. There's somebody for everybody. You don't have to settle for somebody who's less than you. I don't believe in any of that. I think that you can find what you want. Like, for example, I had a, a friend and she got married for the first time at 54 and her list was extensive and specific. And I thought, I really didn't think it was going to happen because she wanted a man who followed the same guru. So on top of wanting somebody tall and successful and similar background and all this other stuff, she wanted a man who followed the same guru. I'm like, how is that going to work? She found him. She married him. He had never been married either. He had had a girlfriend who was his fiance who had passed away and he was just crushed and never got married. And she'd never, and then they were married and very happy. So you just don't know if you really believe and you take the steps, you can find it. So what do you mean by how does dating work today? Understanding how dating works, works today. What well, because there's a lot more equality than there ever was, not that we're completely equal, you know, in pay and whatever, but because there's a lot more equality a lot of times women think they can just be direct and say, well, why do we have to play these games anymore? Can't we just be mature adults and, you know, just be honest? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in matters of the heart, when it comes to dating, you're always 16 and there is no straightforwardness just in the dating period. Obviously, when you're in a relationship, 
you know, if things are very different in relationships today than they were, things are really more equal or whatever, but in dating and depending on your age. So I would say if you're over 40, the rules are probably a little different in that end of the 30s gray area and the beginning of the 40s gray area, you know, uh, because younger people don't follow so much of the traditional roles in dating as slightly older people do. And so for people over 40, a lot of times the men still want it to be their idea to date you or whatever. And so women will like, well, you know, this is taking too long. He's emailing me. We're not getting together. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just ask him out. And then, and then he doesn't call or whatever. So they just contact him and ask him out again. What happens when you do that is he may or may not join you. But that has nothing to do with whether he wants a relationship with you. And the truth is, in the beginning of dating, the only feedback you get is when you do nothing. Because when you do nothing as a woman, the man, you'll get to find out when would he call me if I didn't call him or text him 13 times or whatever. What's his, what's his drive to be with me? And that's essential to understand. And you cannot determine that if you are constantly calling him, texting him, connecting with him, setting up the next date, you are interacting with him and he may go along for the ride because you might be fun or pretty or whatever. But if he's not the driver, he's not going to be the driver ever. And eventually you want a partnership and you want to be equal and you want, you know, and all that stuff, but only, it's only going to work if he's actually motivated and interested enough to do his share up front. That is an interesting twist. I've never thought of it that way. It's really, really true. And women come to me constantly talking about these men who text them all the time, but never set up dates. And I'm like, seven days, meet the guy. He can't meet you. No excuses. And um, just move on. And I also don't believe in long distance dating. Some people do, and it works out. I think it does work out but it's also very rare and it makes things really hard. And there are so many women who meet somebody in a different state or a different country. Or, and I'm like, could you make your life harder? That's just, you know, it's so hard. It's already hard enough to date for a lot of people. So don't try to date somebody three states over. And, you know, there's a lot of men who will show interest in the texting and stuff because they're lonely and they can interact with a lot of women and they don't really want a real relationship, but this feeds their ego. And, and there are women like that too. So I'm, I'm an equal opportunity person, but you know, I just am super practical down to earth and straightforward about the process. So how does you, you said, you said, you know, get clear on what you want and go within now, being in relationship with other people, that is how we learn about who we are. Yes. And I understand. I mean, dating's hard, number one. I mean, it's just yeah. difficult all, all on its own. But when you want to be in a relationship with other people and we're constantly picking the wrong person, how do we how do we figure out why we're constantly picking the wrong person? I guess, I mean, is it yeah. something, is it, some, you said psychological, but could it be, could it be something in our past lives or could it be something that we're, you know, working through from childhood or, you know, what, what, what is it that we're trying to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Well, yes. 
to all of that. So yes, it can be from your family of origin. It can be from you, something from your mother and father that's familiar. It could be from your own dating experiences where you liked a certain guy when you were younger and you just want that same kind of guy again. And it can be from your past lives where you're repeating lessons that you haven't solidified or cleared yet. And so, yeah, it can come from the past. It could come from your own um, past, your current life past, and it can come from um, your family. It can come from a lot of different things. So the best way to figure this out is to take some time to examine what it is that attracted to you people that they had these similarities and really write it down, make a list. The things you, all the things you didn't like about them and all the things that immediately attracted you in the beginning. And you'll see a pattern generally. If you have any self-reflective, introspective ability at all, you will see a pattern and you'll see, oh, um, he was very, he was very into me. It was really fast. He came on really strong and it was so flattering. He said the nicest things used really, he told me I was pretty and um, he took me out and did all these things. And, and then later he, they realized, oh, he wanted to order my food. Oh, he always wants to order my food. Oh, he went, oh, it was a narcissist because narcissists are some of the most charming people you could ever meet at the beginning, you know, oh, definitely. So, <laughs> you know, because you're a reflection of them. And so they have a lot to say about whatever it is. And, and so it can be very flattering and exciting and, all of that at the beginning, but it gets old really fast when they don't let you do anything and everything's your fault and they can turn anything around and do that gaslighting thing and all that stuff. So, you know, it's tough. So if you see patterns like that, then you have to ask yourself, what would be better for me? And can I meet some different kind of men? And then you have to push yourself a little. So when a client would come to me and say something like, you know, I met this guy and he is so different from any man I've ever dated. I'm always like, (laughs) then I figure she's found the one. And that's so many times what has exactly happened. When we're in a relationship with someone and we've been married, say, okay, so we've been married 10, 15, 20 years. And we start, we feel like the relationship you know, we're going one way and the other person's going the other way, or we're starting to grow and the other person seems to be stagnant or not moving with us. Why, why, why does that happen? Do you, does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And part of that is the time we're living in because people are growing. Some people are growing very rapidly and going through a lot of changes and up-leveling their energy, their consciousness, and the way they look at the world. And other people are very happy status quo. So I don't think that's always been true at all. I think that's something that is happening now and it has been happening probably for the last, you know, 30 years, 20, 30, 20, 30 years, something like that. So there's a lot of growth. So people say to me, you know, I've been married, you know, two or three times. And I feel like a failure. And I'm like, you know, in the old days, we got one job and kept it all our lives. We had one house and kept it all our lives. We had one husband and we kept him all our lives. But now who's lived in the same house their whole life? Who has, or adult life at least, who's had the same job all their life 
And so it's not surprising that relationships are changing and you're having more than one relationship. And I feel that partly that's not failure, that's evolution, your personal evolution, how you're growing and changing and working on yourself. And then your love is a reflection of your, your growth and learning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you see that as a good thing, then. I, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Like, I don't think everybody has to strive for that. I've been lucky and I've been married for 22 years to the same man. But on the other hand, I was not connected for a really long time. So I had plenty of time to know who I was and understand myself because I was alone for so long. So it gives me a slightly different angle on it than some people who maybe got married at 23 and, you know, they grew up together in their relationship. So it's different on a case by case basis, but I guess I'm just trying to give it a positive spin for the people who have had many relationships and they don't understand. So when you start to grow apart, I will tell you this though, it doesn't always mean you have to leave. Sometimes it means you have to, you have to shift your viewfinder or your radar, or your understanding. A lot of times when you start having a lot of complaints about the other person, it can be you can work on yourself. And the other person sometimes will shift with you. Yep. And I've seen that happen a lot, and I have felt it happen too. Sometimes when you shift your own viewpoint, the other person either goes with you, or they can fall away. It's all about the vibrational match. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is this magic, the secret of magic all about that you talk about? Okay. I love the idea of magic. I love when things happen synchronicity and it's like, you know, when things are fall together and you're, you don't even know how it happened. That to me is extremely magical. Uh, I also, anytime I'm working with spirit to me, feels incredibly magical. That's my idea of magic. I, I, um, I just love the synchronicities of how things come together and, and it makes me happy. So I'm a seeker of magic. I look for magic. I have a dear friend and we get together every few weeks and we, you know, we use our intuition and we do a little meditation and we connect with nature and we ask for guidance. And, um, at, we'd had a really amazing session, which, we didn't write down, and I can't remember it, but I'll tell you what happened on the way back. So we're walking back from the car and it had been really profound and really hit us and was very helpful for whatever we were going through at the time. And so we're walking to the car and there we're on a path and there's grass. And I just glanced down and saw this four leaf clover. Like I, the four leaf clover found me. I just happened to see it. That's really what happened. And mm-hmm. I felt like, because I wasn't like looking through the grass for a four leaf clover. I literally was, I don't know, moved to look down and there it was like with a light shining on it. I'm like, look at that, a four leaf clover. I felt like that was very magical because to me, that was spirit giving us an indication that we had done good work. We had really connected. We had learned something new and it was being reinforced with a gift. And the gift was a four leaf clover. So to me, Maybe that sounds silly to people, but I love that. It's very magical. Lucky charms. Lucky charm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love the nature spirit. So maybe somebody, you know, helped me there. What is the nature spirit? Um, So 
elementals, fairies, mm -hmm. um, Pan, as an example. Uh, I've read a lot of books about the Findhorn Garden, and I actually did go visit it many years ago, but they worked with the nature spirits. So there's different divas and angels and just little spirits, and they work to make nature grow, and they work with nature to help the flowers bloom and things sprout and all kinds of stuff. So <clears throat> I uh, have a garden and I talk to them. I go in there and I first try to connect with the spirits of the plants. And then before I start hacking and pruning and, you know, do it, sometimes I forget I'm human and I'm like, Oh, you know, and so I talk <laughs> to them and I, you know, show them respect or whatever. And I, when I first moved into my house, I was out front trying to plant some flowers and I looked over in the grass and there was this little footprint that showed up like a little it was maybe I don't know three or four inches and it was a depression in the in the grass one little footprint I was like look at that and over time you know probably within a few minutes the little grass did spring back up again and it was all gone and that little boot was boot print was gone but it was there I I saw it so the nature spirits are all around us and they enjoy communicating us when we're open to that and you can learn a lot from um, the spirits of the plants and the all the natural elementals that work to keep everything working and moving and that kind of thing. Now, let me ask, ask you a, a personal question. But Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> your, your husband now, I mean, you went on this, this 30 men in 15 months yeah. quest. How did, how did you actually meet your husband going through okay. this? So that was magical too. My girlfriend, Carol, and I would always go out to meet men and uh, we'd go to different bars or we went to this patio bar where we live and it was um, in the summer. And I thought it was just me and Carol and we were going to go talk to men and see who we could meet. Except Carol brought six other women. So I was late. I get there and there's a table of six women. First of all, you'll never meet a man if you're sitting down. Forget it. <laughs> so and then you're not going to meet a man with a gaggle of geese. You know, it's like I was just I was so mad. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and then I thought you're here now. Get over it. So I started talking to one of her friends, Maureen, and I was telling I, I have to say, I'm, uh, you can tell my chatterbox. And I was telling, I had gotten to the point in my journey where I was telling everybody. And so I was talking, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm looking for a husband. I'm doing a lot of dating, blah, blah, blah. And Carol was at the same time too. And it turned out Maureen was Carol's friend and Maureen had just found somebody. So we're chatting. And after half an hour, she goes, maybe you should meet my brother. I think he'd like you. So she started telling me about him and she was really funny. She goes, I said, all right, give him my number. And he actually called me. <laughs> yeah, he called me two days later and I met him two days after that. And it was very slow. Luckily, I was dating another guy because he was, he called me once a week and then we went out once a week. And that's why I laugh at women who are texting is like, you know, he waited four hours to text me. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> My husband called me once a week when I started dating him. So, um, <laughs> so at, after six weeks, I thought this, 
you know, pick up the pace, buddy, right? But this is the feminine energy part. I knew that that was probably not the right thing to say, right? And I wanted to say to him, either you're in or you're out, pick up the pace or I'm kicking you to the curb. What's happening here? You know, that wasn't going to work. So then I had to think of a way, how could I say this and be feminine about it and be inviting about it? And so I said to him after six weeks, I said, you know, I have the best time with you. It's always fun and relaxed. And I just always feel good when I'm with you. I think it'd be so nice to see you twice a week. <laughs> and so he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, if I had been forceful or if I had said to him, you know, where are we? I don't really see where we're going with this. You know, you have, what, what's your intention? which is of course all the stuff I wanted to say. I don't, I don't think that would have worked well, but I let him think of it as an invitation and that he could. And it's great to do this because that gives a man a chance to either A, please you or B, show you he's not interested in pleasing you, right? Mm -hmm. How did you learn how to do all this? I mean, did it just, did you read about it or did it just come you know, to you or? It was so little at the time, like this industry has just completely exploded into over a billion dollars. It's, it's just an insane, it's probably multiple billions at this point. There was very, very little. There was some stuff by, um, there were maybe, I don't even know if the Venus and Mars stuff was out then, you know, okay. but um, I think spirit helped me to be honest with you. And I spent a lot of time manifesting. I did a lot of law of attraction work and I did a lot of um, feminine charm work where like I wrote a little song. <laughs> I wrote a lot of little songs, which I have since learned are called charms. I had no idea there was a term for this, but I wrote all these little songs. Not trust me, I'm not a songwriter, but I wrote one too and it came to me. So I don't know how much I wrote them or spirit gave them to me. Let we'll we'll give we'll we'll share the authorship. But anyway, I wrote one to love potion number nine after I was like really starting to date a lot. And so it was like, um, I'm so alluring and cosmically. I'm so magnetic, good men flock to me. I am in touch with my feminine energy right now. I'm attracting the perfect man for me. So there's more to it, but I'm not going to keep singing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what happened was that was fun for me mm -hmm. and it was magical for me and it made me feel really good and it lifted my vibration a lot and it got me more and more in tune with my feminine energy. So as I was consistently pushing myself into using my feminine energy, I think my psyche and my internal you know, wherewithal, inner wisdom or whatever came to help me. And it's possible spirit helped me um, come up with those words too, because I don't really know, but I do help my clients come up with scripts all the time about what to say or how to say it or. Yeah. So do you think the law of attraction was, I mean, obviously the law of attraction works, but so do you teach your, your clients how to use the law of attraction to be able to attract the type of man that they're, that they're looking for or that they want? And I do, and they don't all use it and they don't all use it to the extent that I did, because 
what I really did, I called total immersion. <laughs> it was no part-time. This was nonstop for me. I was a woman on a mission. <laughs> and so I wrote all these little songs and I sang them all day long. I sang them in the shower, on my walk, in the car, in an elevator, in between meetings, whatever, whatever I was doing. And I didn't sing it because I was making myself. I did it because I loved it. It was fun. It helped me believe because when I started, I thought I wasn't attractive enough. I was never going to find anyone. I never met anybody interesting. I had no hope, no options, and no idea that I could do it. And so I had to push myself to believe. Now, do you do the same thing with other things that you're trying to manifest, whether it's I jobs, have. money? I have. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I didn't put nearly as much energy into it mm -hmm. as I put into this. I put a lot. It was very important to me. And two um, astrologers had told me that I would never marry. Oh, no, I don't see that in the stars for you. No. Seriously. Wow. So I thought, I'm going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> 22 years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To go back to them and say, um, you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. And you know, no, I didn't. But you know what? Um, it's a snapshot of time. What are they going to do? You know, they did their best, I'm sure. And maybe that was meant to happen to push me. You know, who knows what, you know, why things happen the way they do. But one thing I can tell you that's essential is you have to be the woman that the man you want would want. You have to... Mm -hmm. You have to be at that energetic level and match. So you have to ask yourself, if you want a wonderful man who is willing to do things and go out there, who's supportive and who's generous and fun and whatever, are you fun or do you sit on the couch? Do you go out of the house and do all kinds of things? Are you taking classes or learning something or reading something or playing tennis or what do you do? Because I know... Um, you know, things are different in Connecticut than they are in other places, but people are pretty stagnant in Connecticut right now because of all this COVID for all these years. And they don't go out of the house and they, you know, if you go to Colorado, like I know dating coaches in Colorado, they're out, they're about, they're meeting people, they're going places, they're going for a hike, they're doing this. It's like a whole different kind of energy out there. So you have, especially if you're in the Northeast, you're going to have to push yourself. Do you think that anybody and any, anybody and everybody can find lasting love if they really want it? Yes. Why? Because I've seen so many times when that happens where people did the work and they put the energy out there and they made an effort and they worked to believe and they lifted themselves up and they met a bunch of people and it works. I've seen it work time and time again. I saw it work for my girlfriend and wanted a guy who wanted the same guru like the same guru is like what but it it definitely can happen I mean there are some people who've tried for years and haven't gotten anywhere and a lot of times I think they have a block or an attitude and it could be about themselves or about men or about love one thing I've seen is a lot of very independent women who are successful who actually came into life at this time to be independent Hmm. as their lesson. Mm -hmm. But like myself, I had already learned to be independent. I had already learned to support myself. I was making a lot of money. I had a good job. I had a lot of friends. 
And so I was ready for the relationship because it does require compromise, right? You know, you don't have to compromise on everything. And my husband and I are both very independent. So we're not joined at the hip, hip by any means. <laughs> no way. We're still, we still live our independent lives while we live in the same house and we live together and we eat together and whatever, but we, you know, we don't do everything together. So you can, so I really feel if a woman comes and she's later in life and she's been independent and she's learned that lesson, then finding love is still possible. There's um, a quote that I heard from Wayne Dyer that goes along with what we're talking about. It says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. And that's what we were talking about earlier about if you, you're with a man and you're growing apart, if you work on yourself, he might come along or you might decide to go your own way. But yeah, it could change. Absolutely. And then there's something that he also said. It says, you're only stuck if you choose to be. Yeah. Having been stuck many times, that always infuriates me um, because I wouldn't choose that on a conscious level. But maybe we're choosing it on a subconscious level. I think that's what he was talking about, referring to. Because one of the things that I believe is everything happens in our lives for not a purpose, but if we believe that it's happening for our own good in one way or another, then we're no longer powerless. We're powerful if we look at yeah. it in that, in that perspective. Yeah. Um, and uh, then no matter what happens to us in life, whether it's the death of a loved one or, you know, the loss of a job or being single, not necessarily wanting to be, that we're still in a powerful position. Mm -hmm. That makes necessarily, sense. Um, that it's happening because who knows what our souls want to necessarily work through. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to, it's not always obvious. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. I was very stuck in uh, my corporate job. I was very unhappy. I did it for seven years and I'd worked really hard to get my MBA. And then I had a great marketing job at General Foods, which is now part of Kraft. And I worked on Maxwell House Coffee and all these big brands. And it was very exciting. Good um, to the last drop. Yeah, good to the last drop. I had my last drop, let me tell you. So, um, <laughs> So I ended up I was laid off and then they asked me to take another job there. And I thought, you cannot stay here. You hate this. And so I took that leap and ended up doing marketing consulting for um, 10 years, making a lot of money, having a lot, working four days a week, having a lot of freedom, but it was nail biting down on my last dime until it kicked in. And I have no idea why that was, but I, I really, my mortgage was due, it was $900 and I had 800. <laughs> that's, that's all the money I had <laughs> at the time. So, and I was talking to a woman who was trying to calm me down. She goes, I know it's right around the corner. I know it's right around. The <laughs> so, but I was so stuck there and she was right. I was just so stuck in that job. So I freed myself from the job and then it took me three years to turn things around. I did start freelancing and stuff, but it took a while until 
it really kicked in and things took off and then and then it was great so for 10 years and then it was time to move on that's a thing you know this part of the reinvention you know i was talking about the energy keeps moving we keep evolving and so i've had to reinvent myself like madonna you know you keep reinventing yourself <laughs> some people don't have to do that some people do constantly reinventing myself it seems like <laughs> yeah i hear you just part of the fun which is yeah part of it the can fun. be it can be yeah well, how can people find you if they want if they want to hire you to to be a coach and they 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 want to work through issues or figure out why they're attracting the wrong type of people and work on emerging themselves or immersing themselves into this love dating mm. and um, where can they find you and how can they work with you? So uh, I do love coaching. Mm -hmm. and which is really the dating aspect. And then I also do the cosmic or magical life coaching. And that involves, I could do past life reading for you to see what's really keeping you stuck. Is it something from the past? Because often it can be, and we could release that. And um, we can do a series of those as well. And for people who don't want to find love, but are on their spiritual path, we can use it for that too. It doesn't have to be love. So you can find both of those things on my website, nevertoolate.biz. I also have a podcast, Breathe Love and Magic. And I also have um, a radio show called Past Life Travelogue, which is incredibly fun. And so I do past life readings on there uh, for people, you know, recorded, it's recorded. And um, so it's really fun to hear about what's going on with them. And I just did this amazing one where this woman was, she had been drowned in three different past lives and she had a lot of fear of water. Yeah. And so I went back, I'm like, yeah, this gotta go deeper. It has to be deeper than this. And I found that she was either a sorcerer or a shaman who had really knew how to work with the elements. And she had created storms with water. They lived on the shore and they were protecting the village from people who were coming to attack and so it left her with not respecting water enough and so I told her her anxiety would probably lessen once she respects the water and so when she takes a shower she's just I respect the water and if she came from that respectful place that I felt her anxiety would dissipate because the um, water would you know, acknowledge that or whatever the element of water. So that was so fascinating. I was like, I'd never heard that before. I know it was really cool. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Really, How did you really get into fun. doing past life readings in the Akashic Records? Well, I left my corporate job in 1990 and that left me free to take a whole bunch of classes. And so I took a past life class that ended up being a year long with the six same six women and a teacher. And it was the most fantastic thing because what happened was we got really well practiced, but we built a lot of confidence because we would all look at the same situation. One woman would be chosen. And we'd all look at her lives related to whatever situation or challenge she was facing. And so we'd get confirmation because there'd be six of us plus a teacher. And many of us would get incredibly similar information. And that led us to believe we were doing something right. We were on track because there was a lot of cooperation about what we were getting. And so that helped really build confidence and skill to do that work consistently in a group. Group work is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a lot more powerful sometimes to be in a group. And so from there, I, uh, I had a friend who wanted to do psychic fairs and she started psychic fairs and I did past life readings there. And then one night she came to me and she goes, this is going to be really busy tonight. Two of my psychics canceled. Do you have to be a psychic? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not a psychic. No, I can't do that. You have to. You have... She made me do it. <laughs> it, was, it was terrifying. So there were 24 slots, 24 people you could do readings for. And I did 22 readings that night. Wow. It was quite a jumping into the fire experience. Talking about an immersion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty serious. I'll tell you, took me two days to recover. <laughs> <laughs> and look at but you now. <laughs> it opened me up. It opened me up yeah. that much further, right? It made me trust myself. Yeah. Spirit has a way of saying, look at, look at Gennaro. Here we go. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that with was, both feet. That, <laughs> yeah, both feet. Exactly. I'm sure that was orchestrated somewhere. <laughs> Everything happens for our own benefit, right? Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you one other question. Um, if you had an opportunity to sit with somebody on a park bench, whether that person be alive or in spirit, who would that be? And what would you talk about for an hour? Oh my gosh. Who would that be? And what would I talk about? Mm -hmm. I ask all my guests that question. So you do. I do. It's one of my favorite ones to ask. Well, maybe Merlin. <laughs> Ooh. because Merlin knows a heck of a lot about magic. I don't know if he was real or not, but there's so many legends about him that I think he is probably real or he was. So maybe Merlin who could, you know, clue me into how I could get even better at this little magic thing. Right. That might be really interesting. Show me how the energy really works. That chills. So yeah, I think he probably is real. Yeah. Who do you want to talk to? Oh, that would be my husband. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Although I talk to him all the time, but just, a, yeah, that would be him. That's nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, anything else you would like to leave with our listeners before we? I, I guess I just want, want to say I personally think life can be very magical if you look for it and open to the magic that's all around you, which can include love, be open to the magic. And then I learned a blessing that I just adore, which is may you live in the magic. And so that's what I would hope for anybody who's listening today. Oh, may you live in the magic. I love that. Yeah. And you did say that you had, you had a, a special gift. Oh, yes. Thank you. So I wrote um, a short book called seven ways your past lives affect your love life now. And you can find that at the number seven past lives.com, which is also on my website. You'd find it on the blog page, but seven past lives.com. Sevenpasslives.com. All right. I will include that in the show notes for everybody. And it's free. It's a free book. We like that. We like free. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. 
Well, Ronnie Ann, I appreciate you joining us on Butterfly Kisses today and sharing us, sharing with us your love stories and all about dating. I appreciate you and um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. It was a great conversation. Yes. I appreciate I it very much. It. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.